0: you have trouble figuring out which one to sing, you can sing that one again. <laughs> well, here we are, first of the year, 2024. I wasn't sure if we were going to make it to 2024, but we are. And uh, I want to start a new series today called Taking What Belongs to Us. And I entitled this The Keys to Success. We're going to be studying the book of Joshua. So if you'd like to turn there, Joshua chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 through 11 together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant's dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. The children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all, this, all the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, I will not leave you. Nor forsake you be strong and of good courage for this is the people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying pass through the camp and command the people saying prepare provisions for yourselves for within 3 days you will cross over this Jordan to go into the and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Well, we're in 2024. Somebody said 5 days of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. I said last week as we closed out 2023, I said, I believe 2024 is going to be a year of chaos. And I said that a lot because of the elections and all that will be coming up this year and so forth. But I was watching some people talk the other day on January the 2nd. And they were telling just some of the things that had happened on January the 1st, first day of the year. South Korean presidential candidate was stabbed in the neck. Passenger plane exploded on the runway in Tokyo. Five killed. A car filled with explosive explosive plowed into a crowd in New York City and killed two and injured nine. There were earthquakes in Asia. One that was 7.6. One over six. Thirteen over five. Eighty-four over four. 179 over three and 235 over two. And it just kept going and going. That's the, that was on day one. <laughs> when fear is high, like in 9-11 or when people start panicking during the COVID and things like that, a lot of people go to the, go to the Word of God or they go to look for things in the Word of God to, to hang on to, some kind of bookmark or highlight to share it. And in an in, in app called YouVersion Bible app, they say the top four verses that people went to, have gone through last year, were these, and, and they said it went viral. Viral means it's just a bunch of people looked at it in a short period of time. Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 40:31, but they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary, and, and so forth. Matthew 6:13, lead us not into temptation, the last part of the Lord's prayer, but deliver us from evil. And John, Joshua one eight was one of the top four for the year. And talked about, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. People want to be successful. People want success. Did you know out of Amazon books, there are over 26,000 books on how to be successful and prosperous? People want prosperity, want to be successful. There was a couple that had... Uh, got a divorce, and uh, was talking to his friend. He said, "What happened? What, why didn't it work out?" He said, "Did y'all try to get counseling?" He said, "Yeah, we went to a counselor, and uh, she told us this is a key to having a successful marriage. I believe this," she said. "She said you need to husband and wife need to go out to eat two times a week, and that, that'll just help build that love and that relationship." He said, "Well, did you do that?" He said, "Yeah, it didn't work." He said, I wonder why it didn't work. He said, well, I was going on Monday, she was going on Friday. Uh, So a lot of times we're looking for success, but we're not willing to do what it takes to have success. At a charity auction in 2022, this was a charitable auction, and an anonymous donor donated $19 million to have lunch with Warren Buffett, the billionaire. He felt like that $19 billion would be well worth it to him, for being with him an hour, he could learn things. He'd make it back more. He wanted to be successful and prosperous. Scotty Scheffler, a pro golfer, uh, I think he's number one or number two right now, but he said, I, the reason I play golf <clears throat> is to try to glorify God for all that he's done in my life. Amen. My wife, Meredith, told me this morning, that's when he was leading the, the, uh, one of the major tournaments. It was the last day. He said, if you win this tournament today or you lose it by ten, Shots, you will never, if you never win another golf tournament, I'm still going to love you. And Jesus loves you, and nothing changes. Now, that's success. Uh, Pastor Rico Tice, he was told by an elderly lady at a funeral. She said, you know what failure is? Failure is being successful at things that don't amount to anything. And success is hearing well done from the only voice. That really matters. And that's really what it's all about. So we're going to be in the book of Joshua. We're going to lay a little bit of groundwork here today. It's a book of conquest. It's a book of battles. It's a book of success. It's a book of failures. And we're going to see what's going on and how it applies to us today. Let's look at the man Joshua first and the new beginning. The very first verse starts off with a very sad thing. The death of Moses. Moses. Death has arrived once again. Moses was one of the great men of the Old Testament, one of the greatest. Uh, but death has a key to every home, and nobody's going to get out of here alive. No one's exempt, even great men and women of God. Moses wrote, gave us, he's credited with the first five books of the Bible, called the Pentateuch, called the Law. Moses is the one that, le- that led the children of Israel out over 400 years of bondage in Egypt, to set them free Moses is also the man that put up with them for 40 years wandering in the wilderness griping and complaining Uh, but Moses is gone in Joshua he's not here You won't hear Moses' voice anymore his voice has been silent but I'll tell you this God's people die but God's plan does not die God's workers die but God's work goes on can you praise God for that aren't you glad of that Moses is not going to be forgotten. His name's mentioned 50 times in the book of Joshua, even though he's dead. So they're always remembering everything that Moses said or what he did. But there's a new sheriff in town now. There's a new man that's fixing to take the reins. His name's Joshua. Now, in verse 2, God says something to Joshua. Moses is dead. Now, he knows that. He was at the funeral. I mean, even though God buried him, nobody knows where God buried him, but they, in the last Deuteronomy, uh, they mourned for Moses' at his death for 30 days. So uh, he knows that. Why is God telling him that Moses is dead? He knows that. He's telling him it's time for you to step up. That's some big sandals to fill. You're going to have to st- step up now. It's what I've trained you for, what I've called you for, what I've tested you for, what I've brought you here for. Now Moses is gone. You're next in line. And so it's a very big thing. Let's look at the preparation of Joshua. Let me tell you some things about Joshua that you probably all know, but you need to be reminded of. Joshua was a slave at one time, just like Moses was, uh, the people of Israel were. Joshua, his name was not always Joshua. It was Hoshea. And Moses changed his name to Joshua. Look at Numbers 13.8. says this, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. Time you get down to verse 16. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So his name was Hoshea, but he changed to Joshua. Joshua means uh, Jehovah is salvation. Joshua is the Hebrew name, same thing as Jesus, uh, Jeshua. That's the Hebrew form of that word. Joshua was the firstborn of none, which means this. Think about this: one of the, the last plague that God gave the Israelites or gave to Pharaoh uh, before he was going to set the people free was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And I always think in my mind it may be this way too: the firstborn kids. But Joshua was a firstborn too. And if it meant the firstborn of adults and kids. We're going to be gone if the door wasn't applied. Somebody applied the blood over his house, and he he was rescued from it. But he was one of the firstborn. Now, thank God uh, for the blood. Uh, the chorus goes, even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. God's working. Just like he was working behind the scenes to rescue Moses when he was a little baby, uh, God's working here to protect and uh, brings Joshua along also. Now, Joshua was not only... A slave, he was a servant. He was a soldier. Let me go with soldier first. Uh, verse chapter thir- 17 of Genesis. We remember that story when the Israelites were fighting against the Amalekites, Amalek. And every time they uh, Moses' hands were raised, they would win. Every time his hands drooped, they would lose. And Aaron and Herd had to hold up his hands. While they were holding up Moses' hands, Joshua was out there fighting. He was fighting uh, and, and allowing the God to do a work. So he was a fighter. They're going to have to fight now for the whole book of Joshua is about fighting to possess the land that God had given them. He was not only a soldier, he was a servant. He was a humble man. He never bucked, never tried to overthrow Moses. Uh, he was submissive to him and submissive to his leadership. A lot of people struggle with humility. Humility is not beating yourself up. It's not thinking less of yourself. Is thinking of yourself less. A humble person is somebody who's just not wrapped up in themselves. They're more concerned about those around them. He never tried to overthrow uh, Moses in any way, he was faithful to him the whole time. At the end of this book, when they're dividing up all the land that they possessed, Joshua got his land last. It says in Joshua 19, verses 49 through 51. Says this, and when they made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath-Serah, in the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. So he got his inheritance last. And there were inheritances which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance inheritance by Lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. He was a a humble servant. He was a spy. Now, you all know one of my favorite uh, actors was Barney Fife in the Andy Griffith Show. But right up there with Barney Fife is Jethro Bodine. Jethro Bodine of the Beverly Hillbillies. Jethro had a sixth-grade education and they all thought he was really supposed to be smart because none of the others of the Beverly Hill Belize had a sixth-grade education. And he wasn't sure what to do with his sixth-grade education. He wanted to be a fry cook or a streetcar conductor, maybe a brain surgeon, but he might want to be a double-knot spy like uh, James Bond. Uh, Joshua was a spy. Now, I don't really care for some of the ways FBI Director Christopher Ray does things. But he made this statement in 2022 as the director of the FBI. <clears throat> no country presents a broader, more severe threat to our innovation, our ideas, and our economic security than China. There are more ch- spies over here from China than we can shake a stick at. The FBI opens up a new counterintelligence investigation every 12 hours to try to counter the spying that's being done from China, he said, we got over 2,000 investigations going right now, and every 12 hours, we open up a new one. Well, Joshua was a spy. He was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the land of Canaan to spy it out. Ten spies, of course, came back with a negative report. They said, "We can't do this. These people, they're giants and we're nothing and all this. Joshua and Caleb said, "We can do this. God's help. We can do this." Uh, but they didn't go through with it. They sided with the 10. Warren Wiersbe said all the spies, they looked at the God through their problems, whereas Joshua looked at their, his problems through God. And it makes a big difference how you're looking. But they had a lot of confidence in, in Joshua. Moses had a lot of confidence in him. And before Moses died, he gave his full endorsement and support to Joshua. Then he laid hands on him and committed him to the ministry and to his position. Look at Deuteronomy 34.9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Okay, so that's Joshua. Now what's this book about? It's a a book about possessing the land. That's the mission here. Let's look at that for just a second, the land. The word land is found 87 times in the book of Joshua. And this whole book is about conquering some land that God had given to them through Abraham. And that's their job, to go over there and conquer it. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. I've heard people over the years say, ah, Americans, we come here and took the land away from Indians, and this one did this and that. Most all land that anybody's own was conquered at one time. That's how you took the land. Now, it's changed a little bit since World War II. But uh, anyway... They had to go in there and conquer the land because people were already in there. God said, you run them out. And I mean, don't leave any of them. Take them all out. And you've got to take it. It's yours, but it's for the taking. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses uh, one, through, 1 through 5. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from the family, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham, or Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haram. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. This this land that God's given them is something he gave to Abraham many, many, many years earlier, hundreds of years earlier. Uh, This land, the land of Israel now, what they have now is not all that God had given them. This was given to them, and what God gave them would in, in, would take in Lebanon and Syria and and Jordan and other places. It was much more than what they've got now. But anyway, it was a special place. That's the that's the center of the whole world, the Earth. It's called the navel of the Earth. They're strategically located between Africa, Asia, Europe. Uh, Jerusalem, of course, is a place, is a stumbling block to all the world, all the nations of the world. It was a land of milk and honey, a diverse landscape. Uh, They never really conquered and possessed all the land God gave them because they'd go off into idolatry and mess around and play around, and God wouldn't have anything to do with it. And so many times God judged them right there in the land they were in, and let other nations in the book of Judges, those are 300 and something years where God judged them with other nations because they were not, they were in idolatry and so forth. There was a time when God took them out of their land. The Babylonians came and God was punishing them. And for 70 years, God kept them out of the land and uh, eventually brought them back to their land under Ezra and Nehemiah. God scattered them again. You remember when Jesus left the Mount of Olives one day and the, the And the disciples tried to change the subject because he just preached a hard message. And they said, look at that beautiful temple. And he said, well, there's a day coming. There won't be one stone left on top of that temple. Well, about 40 years later, that came to pass. And in 70 A.D., boom, they were scattered from one end of the world to the next. And they only came back together in 1948. A a nation was born in one day in 1948, fulfilling God's prophecy. I remember when Benjamin Netanyahu was here. This was back, I think, when Obama was president. And he came because there was a lot of pressure on him, and he was wondering about the support the United States was going to give him and everything. He, He came and talked to our Congress, and I watched it. And I watched how he ended that speech. He ended it with a very powerful verse in Amos 9:13 through 15. Here's what it said. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the trader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. And God had brought them back in 1948. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. And I will plant them in their land. And this was his last statement to the Congress. And no longer shall they be pulled up for the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So he he was telling our Congress, and they're waffling there on support and everything, he says, we're not going anywhere. We're here for the long haul now. And so that land is special. The lesson. Now, a lot of people think the land of Canaan represents, it's a type of heaven. It's not a type of heaven because heaven ain't going to be any killing and possessing and uh, fighting and things like that. It's really, you know, we sing a lot of songs about live, possessing the land or living in Canaan. And I like a lot of them old songs. There was an old song we sang many times in the Methodist Church, sang it here too, uh, about crossing over Jordan, going into our possession. And it was this, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's uh, fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. I like that old song. But it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about really if it's talking about heaven it's wrong because it's talking about the victorious Christian life everything we sing in church doesn't mean it's scriptural you know that don't you uh, anyway so that's what the promised land is is getting what God has provided for you in this life let me let me tell you this if you don't understand anything else I say today listen to this God when you become a child of God there's three groups or categories of blessings Some blessings you get immediately when you give your heart to Jesus and you don't even realize it. He puts your sins and moves them far as the east is from the west in the sea of forgetfulness, writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, adopts you into the family, you're justified and all these other things. That takes place instantly. There are some blessings that God gives you. He says, I'm not going to give you in this world here. I'm going to give them to you later. That's like heaven. You're going to have a brand new body one day. You're going to be free from sin, suffering, sickness, sorrow, and all the other things. He said, I ain't going to remove you from that right now. That's in the future. I'll give you this now. I'll give you this in the future. And then he says, there's one other category. There are things that I've got for you. I'm providing for you. But you're going to have to possess it. You're going to have to take it. You're going to have to fight for it by faith. Or you'll lose out on it. Uh, so that's that's really what the the promised land really represents, the victorious Christian life. Now there is two powerful scriptures that show how difficult it was in this book for Joshua and for God, putting up with them. Joshua thirteen one and Joshua eighteen three. Here's what it says. This is the problem God had with them he has with us. Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old. <laughs> He'd like somebody to tell you that. The Lord can tell you that. He said, You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. He said, Your your time's about up. Y'all still haven't taken everything I provided for you. And look at the verse uh, Joshua eighteen. 18. One. Now, the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. Uh, so, there was two things that God had trouble with. They never went far enough and took everything. And they never stepped out. They never trusted. They never believed. they always fall short. And then the other thing is they would sometimes give up and pout and get discouraged and never be where withstand what God had for them Uh, but anyway if you don't take what God has provided for you you're going to be the loser it's frustrating to God but it's going to be you're going to be the loser it's going to bring a reproach on the greatness of God look at Deuteronomy 9 25 through 29 that's what Moses when he was interceding for them when God wanted to wipe out the Israelites this is what he had to say Thus I prostrated myself before the Lord. Forty days and forty nights I kept prostrating myself because the Lord had said He would destroy you. Therefore I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your inheritance whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not look on the stubbornness of this people or on their their wickedness of their sin. Lest the land from which you brought us should say, because the Lord was not able to bring them to the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he's brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. Yet they are your people and your inheritance, whom you brought out by your mighty power and by your outstretched arm. So whenever we don't walk in the fullness of what God's got for us, it's really bringing a reproach to God. It makes the world say, what a weak and what a, a feeble God they have. Look what he can do in them. Let's look at now, let's get into the book of Joshua and look at the secrets to success. Here's number one you're going to have to look to God. If you're going to possess what God has for you, you've got to look to him. Verse two Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over Jordan you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. He said once again, Moses is dead now. It's time for you to go. Uh, You've been leaning on Moses for all these years. You've been listening to Moses all these years. Moses is the one that's been making all the decisions. Moses is the one that talked with God face to face as a friend talks with a friend. Moses is this. He's dead. Now it's your turn. Now, it's your time. If you're going to possess the land, you're going to have to do it. You know, I love people in my life that have been there for me, but there comes a time when they're not there anymore. I appreciate the people that have prayed for me over the years, but there comes a time, their prayers, I've got to learn how to pray for myself. I appreciate those that's taught and preached the Word of God and helped shape my life. comes a time, you've got to read it for yourself, and you've got to apply it, and you've got to stand on it. And that's what he's telling Joshua. You've been leaning on this all this time. Now you're going to have to serve me for yourself. You're going to have to believe God for yourself also. Look at verse 3 and 4. Every place the sole of your feet or your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of Hittites. And to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Okay, he gave him some very powerful promises, some big shoes to follow, and some big promises to stand on. Now, all of God's promises have conditions. There's conditions to be met. You know, I know there's a lot of people that take the Word of God out of context and and misuse these things and, Uh, abuse it and and think the Word of God is just, I'm just going to pull this thing and God's going to do this for me and he's got to and he's got a choice. I'm this and that and it's all wrapped up about them. I don't don't go for all the uh, poorly interpreted scriptures like that, the way they take it out of context. But, you know, if if there's a salesman coming to talk to me about something and he says something, this is going to be this and it sounds too good to be true... What's the old saying? It usually too good, If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Now, God's saying this. Everywhere you put your foot, I'm giving to you. That sounds too good to be true, but now listen. This isn't a salesman. This is God talking. God, the infinite God, the God that can back up his promises, the God that uh, is no limit to his grace or his power. He's got deep pockets. He can do anything he wants to do. This is the one making this promise. Now, most of us have more confidence in our ability to fail than God's ability to bring his promises about. Most of us have much more confidence than that. I remember the old story of uh, there was a, in the wintertime up north, there was a big lake, and it was frozen over. And a uh, guy needed to get across the lake. It was an emergency, but he afraid if he'd go out there, he didn't know if it was going to hold him up, and it was if it cracked, then he goes in there he's dead. And so he just got out there and kind of laid across it and kind of crept and spread his weight out so he wouldn't uh, fall. And he got about 100 yards. It was going to take forever to get across the lake like that. And he heard something coming, and it was a truck coming running by him on the across the lake. He was hanging on barely to the promise or to the to the value of the lake. And others were putting all their weight on it. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. A lot of times we put... We're very shy about standing on the promises God gives, but, but you're cutting yourself short a lot of times when you do that. John fourteen thirteen uh is a very powerful scripture. It says this, Whatever you ask in my name, here's one of them promises that sound too good to be true. Whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, there's a lot of promises in there like that that just sound, mm, that's that's... I'm going to look for the loophole because that, there ain't no way he's going to let that happen. Well, I'm going to tell you this. He might not answer your prayers because he wants you to be happy. He may not answer your prayers because you've got yourself in a little sticky jam and he wants to get you. He may not answer your prayers because he feels like he owes you one because you've been doing without for a while. But if it will bring him glory, if, it'll, if you glorify the Father, I guarantee you he'll answer your prayers. Now, so you're going to have to learn how to... Trust God. Believe God for yourself. You're going to have to conquer your fears. You're going to have to conquer your fears. Look at 5 through 7. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Right, he keeps telling Joshua. Now Joshua is a fighting man. He's a military. He's been in the military all his life. He put his life on the line every day willing to fight. And he's telling him, now don't be scared. Don't be fearful. You're going to have to be courageous. Here's a man that's already courage. That, that, that phrase, be strong and take courage, is in verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 18. Be strong and take courage. I texted my daughter uh, Wednesday because I knew she's taking her husband back to the army base to be deployed. So I said, how you doing? She said, we're all right. I said, when y'all going? She said, we're taking him at 8.30. All, all the kids, they got to get back in bed. I said, okay, I just want to check on you. And she sent me a, a letter that Adam had wrote to each one of the kids. The one that was taking it, the hardest was Everett. All the kids slept with her that night. Because Daddy was gone. And uh, she showed me his letter, and I won't read it to you. I couldn't. But at the end of it, it said this. To Everett, be strong and take courage, Joshua one nine. That's a message to all of us. I'm going to tell you this. We used to sing a song in the choir said, Be strong and take courage. That was one of my favorite songs. It's been 15, 20 years since we sang it. Uh, Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord will go before you. Uh, And and on and on. It was powerful, strong. If you're going to possess all that God has for you, you're going to have to deal with fear. You're going to have to overcome fear. Now, to walk where God wants you to walk, you may be going into a lion's den. You may be going into a fiery furnace. You may be going into the enemy's camp where you're going to be fearful, you're going to be afraid, you're going to be, have a tendency to shrink back. The Bible says fear not is a phrase that's used 365 times in the Bible, one for every day. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear is what will steal most of what God's got for us. Fear, stepping out, fear of making a fool of ourselves, fear of God's not going to come through, fear whatever it is, I can't do it. Fear will stop you. Walking in the fullness of God. Here's what God promises to those after He says, "Don't be afraid, I'll be with you." Listen to this, Jacob, Genesis 28:15. Behold, I'm with thee and will keep thee in all places where you go. Gideon, Judges 6:16. 6, I'll be with thee and thou will smite the Midianites as one man. Jewish exiles in Isaiah 41:10. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. David told Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28, 20, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be dismayed, for the Lord, even my God, will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The Great Commission, Jesus telling his disciples before He said, they go out into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, Lo, I am with you always. I'm going to be there with you. That's, that's what you have to hold on to whenever your tend- fear is gripping your life and keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. You've got to remember He's with us. And you're going to have to follow His Word, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you will meditate on it, in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. If you're going to have success as a Christian and enjoy the full victorious life that God's provided for you and possess what God's bought for you, you're going to have to get into the Word of God. Four things in that scripture, four things we need to remember. You're going to have to read it. You need to know what it says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to heaven. If you don't know the Holy Ghost, you're going to live a mighty pitiful life down here. If you don't know your enemy, you're going to be deceived, tripped up, and hoodwinked. Because Paul said, we're not ignorant of him. I know all about him. I know everything he's going to try to do. If you don't know what God's provided for you, you'll be stripped and stolen from the rest of your life. So you're going to have to read it so you know what it is. You're going to have to meditate on it. Meditate on it. Now, a lot of people think about transcendental meditation where you cross your legs and hum and do all this kind of stuff, empty your mind. That ain't meditation we're talking about. Uh, that's more of a Eastern cult and things like that. But you need to stop and just think on the things of God. Think on the greatness of God, the love of God, the holiness of God, the fear of God, everything. You need to just slow down a minute and just get into the Word and meditate on how big our God is. Memorize it. You memorize the Word of God so you can speak it out. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And I'll tell you this, the best praying you'll ever do is praying the Word of God back to Him. Lord, Your Word says this. This is what You promised. This is what You said. Just, just tell God His Word. Don't take it out of context. Try to use it. But, but that's, a, that's a powerful prayer. You speak it out. And then you obey it. All the head knowledge does not do anything if you're not applying it in some way. He said, you want to be successful, you want to take what God's provided for you, you want to inherit it, you want to have a victorious life, that's going to be the key to your success. And let me say this, I get a, I get a newsletter about every two days, email, and it's Prophecy News Watch. And it's basically prophetic magazine talking about Things going on in the world that apply to Bible prophecy, just day-to-day things. Here's what they said. This is the last one I read just for today. It says, America's teetering on the edge of three wars. China, because China, they're going to go try to get Taiwan back. And and America's already pledged, if they do, then we're going to be in it. He said, "You gotta watch that this year. Watch Russia, Ukraine, this mess, the Middle East, Israel, and Hamas. America's over there trying to supply things. We're getting shot at, and all kind of things. Watch out for something that could blow up there. Even North Korea." Here's what he said in this newsletter: "America is not the same military might that we were in the 80s and 90s. In 2021, when we were pulled out of Afghanistan. It was an embarrassment. We left over seven billion dollars." worth of equipment, uh, and they said, 78 aircraft, 40,000 vehicles, 300,000 weapons. The Pakistan prime minister said most of that's in the hands of the Taliban. What a, what a fool we looked like there. And then he come down and he said this, en- en- enlistment is down in record lows. I was talking to my son-in-law. He said, it's hard to get good soldiers anymore, anybody that's worth anything. Listen to this. This is what it said, 2023, our, our military, uh, the Army is 88.4 percent below what their goals are, the Navy 3%, Air Force 4%, the Marines 5%. We're 41,000 short in the 2023 enlistment in the Army than what we're supposed to be. Why? Because we're trying to be politically correct and make sure transgenders can have their place in there and we can do this and this. We're more concerned about the rainbow flag than the American flag. That's one of the things that bothers me the most. But our, 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 our strength, our weapons, and our position is not what it used to be. A lot of people think it is. We've given $75 billion to uh, Ukraine and can't even protect our own borders or whatever. But here's what a retired U.S. Army general said. If we went to war with China, this is a general, so he would know a lot more than I would. He said, in a U.S. fight with China, American forces will likely burn through their munitions within about three weeks, their stock. Even with a surge of U.S. industrial base, replenishing stocks take more than six months. In the interim, the U.S. will be without sufficient bombs and bullets for the cutting-edge systems needed to protect our nuclear aircraft carriers and bases in the Pacific. We don't produce munitions at the rate we did decades ago. Most Americans seem to believe that we're still the same global military powerhouse that we used to be during the Top Gun movie. In recent years, our military has been gutted, eviscerated, and transformed into a politically correct joke in many areas. And most people don't even realize it. I said that to say this. It may be a year of wars, but I can tell you, not just talking about 2024, We've been in a war, spiritual war forever. That war is going to be going on. I can promise you, I don't know if we'll be in a military war, but we'll be in a spiritual war. That's going to become with the territory. We've got an enemy that does not give up. I'm going to say this, I'm going to wind it down. Uh, this year for Christmas, and I'm not a big shopper. I'd rather just give somebody a gift card or money. And so you go buy what you want, and that's not very personal, I know that. But anyway, this year we just give all, I just went to the bank and got cash and give the kids and grandkids all money. And uh, I've given gift cards before. Most of you have received gift cards, whether it's to go to a restaurant and everything. I get those from time to time and give those from time to time. That's very nice. But here's what I didn't know till I heard it on the radio two day, three or four days ago. Gift card theft and fraud is up 50% in 2023 versus 2022. People have learned how to steal the money out of, out of the gift cards. They either play, do something with that barcode or some other ways. but they've come up with ways. So you got to say you've got a gift card for $100 and you go, you go there and you go out to eat and you spend 60 of it and you say, Well, I got 40, I'm going to buy it next time. You go the next time and 40 has gone. Says you don't have any money left in here or whatever. Here's what I'm saying somebody paid for that and gave it to somebody else, and somebody stole it, so that person didn't use it. And that's what the book of Joshua is God paid and said, I'm giving you people this land right here, and they never really possessed it fully. And when they didn't possess it, the enemy came and stole everything out of it. And that's why we are church. There's a whole lot more that God's given to us that the enemy's stolen from us because we haven't taken it. We haven't looked, we haven't held on to it and we had not possessed it. We're going to be in a fight as Christians this year. I don't care about the elections or whatever else. That'll be chaos, but we'll be in a fight. You're going to have to fight For your families, your children, those that you brought into the world and you raised, whether they're little still or they're grown up and got children of their own. You're going to have to fight for them. You're going to have to fight for your marriage. Those vows are going to be challenged and tested and tried. You're going to have to fight for this country. Statue of Liberty stands out there in New York Harbor. But the light's flickering as freedom comes and goes, it seems now. You're going to have to fight if you're going to hold on to hope and peace and the joy of the Lord. It's going to be a fight, but it's a good fight. Because God said, I'll be with you. And if I've paid for it for you, I'm going to help you to get it. But you're going to have to look to me. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to say this. The prayer and fasting. I've got like six things that I'm praying and asking, believing God for. I don't just say, well, whatever comes, comes my way. I believe you need to be specific. And the number one thing on my list has already gone the other way, the bad way. A lot of times before the answer comes, you've got to fight through the mess because he's going to steal everything he can from you. I don't know about you, but I want you to come make your way down here. Here we are in this prayer and fasting. If you're going to take what God's given to you, what God has for you, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight by faith. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to stand. You're going to have to get into the Word. You're going to have to deal with your fears. You're going to have to do whatever it takes. The only way to be successful, it's been bought and paid for and given to you. And Somebody's stealing it from us. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, here's our people. Here's your people. You know each one of us, Lord. You know where we stand. You know what's on our heart. You know what's our burden. You know what we're believing for. You know what we're asking for. You know what we're trusting you for, Lord. Sometimes we walk away and say, it doesn't work. We give up before it happens. We throw in the towel. Or the enemy comes and beats us over the head and says, see there, it doesn't work. And laughs all the way to the depths of hell. I pray, God, for your people. I pray for all of us. To possess what you've prayed for, we've got to be willing to get skin up a little bit if it takes that and trust you and believe you if we're going to receive. Help us learn from the Israelites in the book of Joshua what success is and what failure can come if we don't walk in the principles you give us. I ask you, Father, may this be the greatest year ever in our lives, our church, our communities, our nation. But, Lord, help your people to wake up and say it's time we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to stand. We're going to have to stand on the Word of God. We're going to have to go not by what we see or feel, but just say this is what you said, Lord. We're basing everything we believe on what you said, your promises. You have never failed, Help us not to fail to believe you. Father, we thank you. Help us go forth, humbling ourselves before you and seeing just what all you've provided for those who love you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 God bless you. Come back tonight. Brother Chester's going to be speaking. If you need prayer today, we'll pray for you. Keep the faith. Keep your head up.